1: host Ralph Malbro and featuring bloggers Andrew Juge of the SaintsNation.com, Kevin Held of The Team Drops the Ball, and Dave Cariello of Canal Street Chronicles. This podcast is nothing but serious football talk and hardcore analysis.
2: All right, welcome to a special edition of Saints Happy Hour Podcast. Um... This is a this is a special edition because of the people that donated. We said we'd give you the the Saints Drunk History and a special uh, draft episode. So we're um, joined by Eric Galco of, of Album Scouting. Please remember to like us on Facebook, follow us on Facebook, uh, follow us on Twitter, and go to our new YouTube channel. Just search Saints Happy Hour Podcast. You can find us. It's great. Uh, we wanted to have Eric Galco from Album Scouting. Thanks, Eric, for joining us. Um, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on is because last year you were awesome. But you had some just phenomenal Saints insights that I don't think other draft analysts have. I don't know if you're plugged into the Saints, because if, if, I know your service, NFL teams talk to you. I don't know if you're plugged in, or you just have a great feel for the Saints. But last year, you were really high on Ramchek ram and you thought it was a possibility that if things worked out right, he could be a guy the Saints would take. They did. Um, and this year, on your great podcast, you have Scanning the Field, you talked about Lamar Jackson to the saints. And that's where I want to start. Um, Your thoughts on him and why he's in, why you think he might be a good fit for the saints and, and what exactly do you think would have to happen for him to become a saint? I guess
1: let's start there. Right. I I think more importantly, this time of year, I mean, we, like, like you mentioned, and I appreciate the introduction, appreciate you guys having me on again. You know, we, we work with NFL teams. We talk with NFL teams all the time too. And this time of year, it's, it's less about, trying to make sense of what teams might do and just getting a feel for what their thought process is because especially you know the first round of the NFL draft teams have an idea of what kind of scheme they want to run and how they want to kind of build for the future but teams are malleable based on the talent they see and the talent they can get there are teams in the top 12 of the draft 15 of the draft who may like Minka Fitzpatrick don't think he's a great fit for their defense but they'll kind of tweak their defense because of special talent and I think it's the Saints and where Lamar Jackson comes from. It's it's less about how he fits in their offense. It's more about hey, he's a special talent, and we'll make him work. But you know, what I've been told around the league is that Lamar Jackson, the Saints, is is the most obvious connection they have, the most clear value of him. They like him the most of all the team I've talked to and any team I know of. And and there are certainly other teams that like him a lot. Arizona Cardinals and Seattle Seahawks are two teams that have also expressed substantial interest in considering him in round one, but. And the Saints make a lot of sense. A year ago, they wanted Patrick Mahomes. They decided to stay put and not draft a quarterback because Pat Mahomes got taken ahead of them. And I think this year they may realize that, hey, if we want a franchise quarterback, we've got to go get our guy. So they like Lamar Jackson a lot. They want to start planning for the future of Drew Brees. They wanted a franchise quarterback a year ago and just missed on one. And this year, I don't think they will.
0: Eric, so... Sean Payton had some interesting comments in the news um, recently where he kind of said that he was not very envious of the people picking the teams picking at the top end of this draft because there's really five quarterbacks that are being talked about as possible first round draft picks. And if you look at the mocks, I mean, there's some that have all five of them gone by by pick 15. Um, Now, I, I don't know that it necessarily plays out that way, but Uh, You have five quarterbacks that could potentially be gone by 27. Um, And it was interesting to me that Sean Payton came out in the media, and and this was on uh, Monday Morning Quarterback, and he basically said, you know, I don't love any of these guys. I I don't see an Andrew Luck. I don't see a Carson Wentz. This is a direct quote, and he said, there's one guy I could see maybe being around in five years, it's Sam Darnold, but I don't love any of these guys and I wouldn't want to be one of these teams at the top, feeling the pressure to draft one of these guys. Um, so do you think when a coach throws out something like that, do you feel like that's a smokescreen or, and, and or do you maybe just feel like he's trying to get teams to pass on these guys so they'll be available later in the draft?
1: Yeah. I I think smoke screen is very very much overused um, in a lot of ways, and, and most importantly, especially from my experience, you know my, what I've heard has changed from teams since January and February, and that's not because teams are leaking stuff. And you know, I know everyone believes they have great. So I, I mean, I'm very confident people I work with and talk to that, that I'm not being smoke screen at all. But you know, stuff is really flexible, and the big piece of this all in terms of smoke screens is that. There are many people in a front office and a head coaching staff that believe they have say or have a very substantial opinion on how things go. The Cleveland Browns have, as an example, John Dorsey, the current GM, Scott McLuhan, former GM, uh, Elliot Wolfe and Al- Alonzo Highsmith, likely GMs in the next three to five years. Hugh Jackson, who the owner likes a lot and known as influential. So there's six people with the Browns. And so they have a substantial say every organization has that. So I think in terms of smoke screens, I think we overutilize that sometimes and just kind of use that as a crutch saying, don't believe it's smoke screen. (laughs) I think for the saints, if Sean Payton's asked the question, if he doesn't answer, it's just going to hurt him. So maybe Sean Payton believes that, um, that there's only one safe quarterback at Sam Darnold, but that doesn't mean he won't take one. And I think for, for the saints, it's, you know, it's less about what teams are saying and more about how teams are starting to build and Mm -hmm. saints you look at last year's draft and what they wanted to do last year. And we know that, right. They want to Mahomes, So especially they want a new quarterback after Drew Brees, but also the fact that they've, you know, found a new face for their offense in Alvin Kamara, they've started to let their other offensive pieces go the last two years. And they're clearly planning for a mini rebuild here. So I think it's less about him saying, Hey, if he said, I love Lamar Jackson and we want to go get him, that that would help no one, but him not saying that necessarily isn't a smoke screen. It's more of him just saying, you know what? I, I think Sam Brown's really good. And, you know, picking up half the draft is tough because a lot of pressure. But you know, it doesn't mean Sean Payton won't get a quarterback. So I don't put a lot of stock in what Coach say in public because, you know, just like the NFL Combine and those interviews, like you can't you can't judge people saying the media in public because it's all planned and structured.
2: You know, Eric, the one thing that was interesting last year with the Saints is they 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 needed a corner before the draft and they brought in Malcolm Butler. They they had the contract worked out, but they didn't budge on the compensation with New England, because part of the reason was they said, look, we love this draft. We think it's deep 80 to 100 players. We are not giving you a top pick from Malcolm Butler because we love this draft. And they were obviously right, and they had their board set, and it worked out great. But as you look at this draft overall, when you compare it to last year or the year prior, how does it stack up as far as the top 60 to, to 100 guys compared to – previous drafts that you've scouted and rated
1: oh i mean that that's that's kind of tough to say 60 or 80 i think i think this draft class
3: this is it we've got an amex platinum pro on our hands ladies and gentlemen we haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the centurion lounge (sighs) is he connecting to complimentary wi-fi oh my look at that he is and you will not believe where he's going next the amex dedicated card member entrance for the
1: win Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
3: I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate.
1: In terms of how teams view these guys, you know, Saquon Barkley and Bradley Chubb are two special rated players by most teams. And, you know, I I talked to one team today that only thinks Barkley's that special non-quarterback. Some teams think it's Barkley and Chubb, but... You know, having two franchise-changing non-quarterbacks means a lot, and I think you look by position every year. and And this year, it's strong interior offensive line class, which may sound ridiculous, but teams are very excited about that based on the all-line play around the league. And it's a high risk reward, also a deep quarterback class that's certainly good too, and a great running back class. So, I think teams every year kind of and smart teams, especially teams that have GMS who stick around, are very good at kind of planning out and seeing that hey, it's it's a really good draft class here. So it's fall take advantage. The Baltimore Ravens, for example, are great at that. When it's a very deep cornerback and outside linebacker class, like it was a year ago or two years ago, they took Tyus Bowser and Taven Young in round three and got three, two steals. So I think for for teams, it's the draft doesn't change too much year to year in terms of the overall talent, but I think positionally is where things change drastically. And you know, this year, it's more of a strong offensive line class. Last year, it wasn't. This year, it's maybe a less strong receiver class. Last year, it was. So, I mean, this year it's more about the strengths. This year's strengths is the old line running backs and linebackers, where last year none of those were really strengths in the draft class.
0: So, Eric, as you look at this class, I mean, first of all, when you think about the Saints' needs, this is the first year in a long time that I can remember um, that I just feel like the Saints could literally pick, you know, special teams aside, any position in the first round and it wouldn't surprise me. And for years, you know, you would rule out quarterback and, you know, they used to be a little bit deeper at receiver or the offensive line, you know, and, or they had a lot of safety. So for years, you know, you kind of rule out a handful of positions in the first round, but you know, they were kind of open for business at a lot of others. But this year I could see them going quarterback. I could see them going almost any offensive position. I could see them going any defensive position Um, You know, maybe running back is the one position I would say is out, but you know, if Darius Geis is there at 27, do they consider that? Um, So it's kind of wide open for the Saints, but the one position I'm really interested in, and and I'm curious if, if you agree with this, I mean, obviously pass rush would be ideal. And if they can get an edge guy at 27, that's a difference maker, then it's a no brainer. I just don't think at 27, you can get that. And so I guess a 2 pronged question, I guess, first of all, do you agree with that statement? And then secondly, if they can't get a pass rusher, then I start to think it might be tight end. And so that's where I start to wonder about, you know, really the top three guys and how you feel about them. And I I like Goddard a lot. That's a guy that, you know, I, I wonder, do you think for a small school guy, is he too high at 27? I really like Hayden Hurst, but is he too old to pick at 27? And then Mike Gesicki, you know, he's the guy that kind of has all the measurables and it should be the top tight end picked. but tape is maybe a little bit more questionable for him. Is he, is he a little soft? Is he not as polished as the other two? So uh, I know I'm throwing a lot at you there, but curious about your thoughts.
1: Yeah, what, what was kind of the, the question there? I missed that. Sorry. so
0: the first question is, do you think a difference-making pass rusher at 27, is there any chance of that?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's possible. I and mean, the Saints want to go offense. Um, early and often in this draft they can, even that's adding a new receiver, um, a tight end certainly in play uh, to take in round one. I, I think overall my feelings throughout the league and most people I've talked to feel the tight end class is good, not great. Um, so I think they probably wait on tight end until round two and, and get a guy they like. But they have to want to address that need in the first three rounds. But you know, I think quarterbacks on their mind, and I keep going back to after Lamar Jackson, but I, I think if they can get a quarterback they like in this draft class and – you know, Lamar Jackson's the quarterback I, I believe they like the most. But if Josh Rosen flips a little bit, could he be their guy? You can certainly see that too. So, you know, the Saints, similar to the Chiefs a year ago, feel that they have a playoff team ready to go on defense and enough weapons on offense that all they're missing is a quarterback in the future. And when you have that opportunity, you can kind of leverage a lot of your current and future graphics to go get a guy. So I think the Saints are in that mold right now. But if they don't go quarterback, I think tight end's a good idea. Um, Hayden Hurst. Uh, they picked before the Jacksonville Jaguars, unless I'm mistaken. So I think they'll have a chance for him above the Jaguars. And even if not, I think if there's a receiver they like quite a bit, if Calvin Ridley slides a little bit, maybe they go get him too. I think they want to really build this offense to completion because they've done a fantastic job the last three, four years of building this defense, especially in the mid-rounds. And I think when you draft that well defense like the Seahawks a couple of years ago, back when they had the Legion of Boom, when you're able to draft so well in the mid-rounds for defense, And that's really where teams feel you should be able to hit because defensive guys generally are safer than offensive guys early in the draft. That's when you can really build a team quickly. So I think for the Saints, they want to kind of fix the offense and keep the offense impressive. And tight end receiver are are two parts of that. So pass rusher won't be Bradley Chubb, won't be Harold Landry. And I know they're not big Marcus Davenport fans. So I think offense is likely in round one.
2: You know, Eric, last year is just a great example. You you just never know how the draft is going to go, right, the first 10 picks. I remember when we – you wake up on Thursday and you're like, "Who are the Saints going to go?" And they, they, the rumors were they liked the the corner Humphrey out of Alabama. They they needed a corner, and you know we were, we did scenarios. Me and Andrew even did like a mini cast the the opening to to preview it. And Lattimore, it didn't even it didn't even like cross our minds. And then when he's there at 11, Andrew's doing backflips, I think. And I think it took the Saints like about 10 seconds to turn in the card, probably to make up their mind. So who's a guy? Let's take Lamar Jackson out of it and say he's not there at 27. Who's a guy that, if he was there, might not be likely, maybe it's a 10 or 15% chance, but who's a guy at 27 that you think the Saints, Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis, would high-five and it would take them 10 seconds to make up the... It would just be, that's the guy, 10 seconds and turn in the card right away and they'd be high-fiving in the, in the war room because they couldn't believe that he got there.
1: Yeah, I think a year ago, they were certainly upset for a minute about losing out on Patrick Mahomes, but you're right. He was the top guy on their board, Lattimore, and they were certainly right to be excited about him based on how he played this year. I think going back to pass rush, that's a great point. I think if Harold Landry slips, um, I don't believe he will, but there's certainly a chance he could, and that'd be the guy they'd be excited for. And even if they move up a few spots to go get him, uh, maybe above the Tennessee Titans and Carolina Panthers in the 20s there, that'd be a good move. I think he's a guy that you add into that already talented defense and, you know, the best thing to get for a good secondary is a good pass rush. It makes everything better and able to force turnovers more often. So I think Harold Landry is that guy that I don't think he's going to be there, but he'll be there in the teens, and that's kind of where the exciting part is.
2: Do Do you think if he got to 15, 16, 17, that Saints fans should sort of have their antenna up and maybe we're at a trade watch, trade warning, where if he gets into the teens, low teens, the Saints would be willing to move up to get him?
1: No, I mean, you guys know as well as I do. I don't think the Saints have a great history of, of looking to be aggressive and training up or down. So I think Saint uh, puts what they're planning on doing, maybe a little bit move up. But it's, it's much easier said than done to trade on draft day, especially when a guy starts sliding. And that's why you see guys slide so much is because when teams are not expecting you got to do that, they can't just make a trade that easily. It, it takes a lot. And other teams, keep in mind, I mean, the teams picking in the teams right now have their plans in place, right? The, the Arizona Cardinals, may not want Harold Landry. They don't think he's gonna be there anyways, and they're gonna start making other arrangements to take a corner or a safety. So mm. I think that's why it's really hard to trade up on draft that you know you have fifteen minutes, teams are kind of strategizing the entire seven rounds of the draft and for round one they have the best idea who might be there. So that's why mm. it's always hard when guys start slipping to really take a guy. You saw the O. J. Howard a year ago. He starts sliding and teams just didn't want to adjust their draft plans because they already had a set in stone. So I think for the Saints, without a history, great history of training up or down the draft board, to my knowledge, the last few years, I think it's more likely than not that they kind of stay put, and, and unless a quarterback's in play. For quarterbacks, obviously, you throw out your old playbook, but I think if they want to take a non-quarterback, they'll probably stay put to get him.
0: Eric, um, how do you feel, so, just ranking the tight ends? I mean, I, I come back to that because I feel like, so they signed Ben Watson this offseason, um kobe fleener i have i heard some intel that he still has not passed concussion protocol so i don't even know if he's playing again um you know and josh hill and michael home and now just they haven't really worked out as well as the Saints had hoped. so to get some young blood in there and kind of help the saints had a lot of problems on third down it'd be nice to get a tight end in the mix the three that kind of stand out to me are hayden hurst Gesicki and and dallas goddard um it, how do you feel about those three guys and is there one you kind of feel strongly about over the other two
1: yeah we have Hayden Hurst as our top ranked tight end in this draft class and then actually Mark Andrews and uh and uh Dallas Godare as our number two and three tight ends and I think like I mentioned before it's, it's a good not great top, tight end class and there's some guys that are intriguing but you know I talked to a lot of people about tight ends the last last few, few days and weeks here and you know, the real feeling I've gotten, I think it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I, I think it's partially my idea telling teams this, but I think they're, they're kind of seeing it as well, is that, you know, hurry-up offenses are on the rise throughout the NFL. Uh, two years ago, I think 10 teams ran at least 10% of hurry-up offense plays, and last year it was down a little bit. But hurry-up offense is going to be much more invoked throughout most NFL teams. And when you want to run a hurry-up offense, you need your personnel to be out there to be kind of formation diverse. And it's really hard to do – and in a hurry-up offense, Mike Jasicki is a receiver, right, because he's not blocking anybody. So there's no real turn to him out there on a no-huddle offense. So and that's where a lot of teams are thinking tight end-wise now is, hey, if you can't block and split out, you're really not useful in no-huddle. You're really obvious in what you're doing out there. And, you know, for as much of a matchup help as it kind of is, teams are going back to saying, hey, I want guys who can do a little bit of everything, not just be one area. That's great. So I think we'll see tight end slip a little bit on draft day, I think. We'll see one maybe going round one, Hayden Hurst to the Saints or Jaguars, maybe the Steelers. Um, and then the Dolphins in round two might take a tight end. But I think overall we'll see some tight ends flipping in the draft. So I think the Saints want to take a tight end. It's much better off, in my opinion, unless, unless Hayden Hurst is rated really highly by them, to, uh, to wait until the back end of round two or even round three. Um, I think you've got guys like Mark Andrews and Dallas Godare in round two and even guys like Mike Jasicki in late round two, early round three.
2: Who's a guy as we go as you look at receivers eric who's a guy at receiver that you are high on that other people necessarily aren't, and who's a guy at receiver not necessarily that you that you dislike or hate, but a guy that you're like people are high on him, but I'm just not sure that he's going to translate in the n f l
1: yeah i'm not really i'm not really too tuned in unfortunately of how other people outside the n f l like certain receivers one one guy I, I do like quite a bit um, is Christian Kirk. I think he's a first-round receiver. Um, our staff likes Christian Kirk very a lot, and I think some teams in round one agree with our evaluation. A lot of teams think he's a round two or three guy, but I think he's an outside receiver in the NFL, could play a little bit slot, and I think he's maybe a better version of what Marquise Lee does uh, in Jacksonville. I have mean, that's kind of a good comparison for him, Be a little more than that, too. So we think he's one of the top 15, 20 players in this draft outside the quarterback. So I'm guessing that's probably a little bit higher than most people believe. And then, conversely um you know i think anthony miller of memphis is is pretty beloved i I really like his game in terms of playing as a small receiver i don't think he's quite the john brown explosiveness as a receiver and i think his skill set isn't going to translate all that well to a z receiver and he's got to kind of adjust the slot a little bit something he's not perfectly used to so uh, in an NFL style so i think anthony miller of memphis might be a guy that you know, it's not for his injury. Maybe he'd be a second, third round pick, but I think he'd go someplace on day three. Maybe, I'm sorry, day two, late day two, maybe even day three of the draft.
0: Arden Key, boom or bust, Eric?
1: <laughs> yeah, he's, he's probably Randy Gregory. Um, so I'll say bust. I, I think Ooh. that's kind of what he's to um, be. He's not, you know, Randy Gregory, I think, you know, looking back the last five years or so, Randy Gregory is one of the worst character guys. Um, I've ever seen come out of the draft in terms of being a high pick and, and value in some way. Um, truly, like a, a, a not a not a great person. Um, so I think Arden Key is not that. Uh, but I think it's some of the same issues: the weight issues, the positional issues, the um, some minor off-field stuff. So I just think Arden Key is not going to go in on round one. And you know, I would say maybe he falls in round two. But hey, I, I've seen teams take Doral Green back in the top round two, and then it surprisingly not work out. So. Um, <laughs> And that's mm. fantastic. Honestly, surprisingly, so I, I think Barton Key will be the same type of situation. When does Eric? When did teams sort of?
2: When does the char- When does the talent sort of outweigh the risk? And if you could put like a like a is it is it early second round? Like is that where teams just go? I don't care that this guy is his character is horrible. The tape and the potential is awesome. We're taking yeah. it. Yeah.
1: Right? I think it's partially – I think it's mostly – it's not necessarily around, it. And a lot of teams don't think of things in terms of round grades. And to be honest, we only do it often scouting because it's a lot easier for us who's making a 400-player board to kind of organize guys. But, you know, teams think of the NFL draft as a job interview. And, and in a job interview, when there are seven to 12 people considering you as an applicant, it takes people to stand up for you, right, and vouch for you. And when guys have character issues – Area scouts will rarely vouch for that guy unless they've really done their homework, because if you're wrong at a character guy as an area scout, you're fired um, and probably out of league forever. So it's, <laughs> it's a dangerous competition. But a lot of those times it's, it's a position coach who maybe talked to him a lot at the combine, or he's got a buddy who was receiver coach in college or what have you. So I think for character guys, it's, it's all about who is the highest up guy that's willing to vouch for you as a player. So if, if the GM – believes in you as a character risk guy, like the Arizona Cardinals and Steve Kime and Bruce Arians and Robert and DJ a couple of years ago, then you could be a first round pick. But, um, you know, if it's an area scout, maybe that makes you a fifth round pick. So it's kind of the hierarchy of who has say based on who's vouching for you. So for a guy like Arden Key, he's got to have at least a position coach or a director of scouting to say, Hey, we believe in this guy too. And maybe that'll happen.
0: Is there, um, so I know you were really high on Lawson, Carl Lawson last year, and he was kind of that guy that you could get later, he fell, but his upside was really high, and he ends up, kind of, he ends up being a good NFL player. Is, is there a guy in this year's draft that you feel like is an edge prospect if the Saints don't get a guy in the first round, that, and they don't have a second-round pick now, so you know, can they get a guy in the third or fourth round that you really like that has a lot of upside at that position?
1: Yeah, that's that's what everyone wants, right? Everyone wants to make Carl. Uh, Carl lost in a fall a little bit, and they can take him in in the third round. You know, one of the guys I like a lot in terms of maybe being a day three guy but has a lot of upside is Ola Denier from Toledo. He's a junior that declared early for the draft and a little bit smaller edge guy, kind of a bowl in a china shop type rusher. But he has a lot of athletic upside to get a lot better in the NFL. I think he kind of wasn't expecting to declare for the draft this year, but – um, based on the situation at Toledo and the coaching staff, whatever else he declared early. So he's probably a bit raw as a pass rusher. But I think he's going that have the Hunter type upside, a guy who flips because he's still raw. But some of the same upside there where, hey, this is a guy you could get in day three of the draft, maybe early day three, and has the explosiveness, the uniqueness as a pass rusher, the ability to drive and get under the left tackle skins and finish, block, finish sacks on the interior. He's a guy I like quite a bit that isn't a Carl Lawson's area, but, you know, if he stayed in school as a senior and he had a twenty sack year, maybe he's a second round pick next year. So getting a guy like him in round four or five is a good value.
2: You know, it, it's hard to project in the NFL with injuries and all and that sort of thing. But who's a guy that maybe he's beat up as a senior, he was injured as a, as a senior or or got injured or whatever and and But his junior tape or his his sophomore tape was just phenomenal. And you look at him and you're like, man, if that guy can stay healthy in the NFL, some team is going to get a player later than they probably should have.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll say my guy, uh, Mike White of Western Kentucky. You know, he didn't really have an injury uh, necessarily at at Western Kentucky, a partial injury, but... Um, he had a new coaching staff and he lost Taewon Taylor and Forrest Lamb, um, And those, all those factors played into him, you know, not necessarily being the quarterback. I think he's capable of being, you know, coming into the year, he was our uh, tied for our top ranked senior quarterback with Mason Rudolph. Um, and he's hmm. still, he's still there. He's above Mason Rudolph in our final rankings at quarterback. And he has the same grade as Kyle Aletta and Lamar Jackson tied for our fourth best quarterback. So I think he's a really talented quarterback that if he, He's going to kind of nitpick a little bit and see who doesn't do well, but if you know the whole story at Western Kentucky, which would take me a whole podcast to kind of go through what he dealt with, um, he's he has reason. I know this is the kind of year we make excuses for quarterbacks, right? I know one of the top quarterbacks you're allowed to make any excuse you want for him. Um, <laughs> I'll make an excuse for, for Mike White and say that he had some other other factors at Western Kentucky that helped him back, but you know I feel confident that he's going to be a very good quarterback. And then as for a sleeper. A guy who didn't play all of 2017, another quarterback, uh, Alejandro Benefield from Chattanooga. He's a dark horse kind to be drafted late, but he's a special prospect that, again, it's teams that do their homework know guys like Alejandro Benefield from Chattanooga who might be a day three pick and would have been a senior bowl invite if he played a senior season. So the right NFL teams are, are finding these guys that didn't play well or even play at all in their senior season.
0: It's interesting to hear you talk about Mike White because, um, you know, I've watched him a little bit and the one thing that's always stood out to me with him is, is his arm talent. I mean, to me, I, you've got five quarterbacks that are talked about. I, I'm not sure any of them have the, the, just the velocity and arm strength of White. Would you agree that he kind of of these five quarterbacks that potentially have first round grades, he might be the best live, ar- live, live arm of them all?
1: Um, yeah, I think his, his deep ball accuracy is graded out as the best in this draft class. Um, and that 11, I think 11 yards and further, um, according to our own Derek Lassen that out scouting starting, I think he's the best, or if not, he's tied with Baker Mayfield or close to Baker Mayfield for the best 11 plus yard throw accuracy in the draft class. Um, Mm. and that's his game. He's a former high school baseball pitcher who used to, who could have played for Stanford um he's got the arm talent to throw out there but he's um you know really gifted when he's able to be confident and just stay in the pocket or adjust outside the pocket and attack downfield that's where he's best at and I think he was underutilized there as a senior for a couple reasons um but that's why you look at that junior film you look at Taewon Taylor you look at him kind of being the gunslinger that he wants to be but also finishing downfield passes that's where he's best at and I think a lot of teams that like to attack downfield have a lot of receiver weapons um are going to take him early i think he's
2: i think he's a third round
1: pick and ends up being this year's draft Kirk Cousins
2: you know eric as you look at the, the draft we always try to figure try to not necessarily you can't guess how it's going to go but you can look at sort of sort, certain teams and and, and 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 try to see what they do i look at new england and i see they have two firsts and two seconds and i feel like not that they would not that they'll make a make a move up or down could but they're sort of one of the teams that control the that can, can sort of control the draft and, and sort of sort of put it in a direction and see where it, see how it goes. Who's another team that you look at that whether whoever they pick or if they trade up really kind of changes the direction of draft I felt like the Bears did it last year when everybody's like wow they went up and got Trubisky it was one spot and it sort of and then all the receivers went and it sort of it sort of went one way that maybe we didn't think it was going to go who are some teams that like how they draft will affect how the first round
1: sort of goes yeah it's all going to start with the Buffalo Bills and the Buffalo Bills you know since I, I think I reported this back in October or November they've they want a quarterback even back then. Um, they, they realized pretty early on, maybe in the preseason and the offseason, that Tyrod Taylor wasn't that quarterback of the future. Um, and they've done their homework on Josh Allen and Josh Rosen in particular. So I think they, they know and they feel they're a playoff team next year, no matter what. And they feel again, like the Kansas city chiefs, Hey, we're ready to go. We just need a quarterback in the future. Let's do whatever we have to do to go get a guy. Um, and I think that's what their feeling is right now. So, do they move up to two overall with the New York Giants where they have you know, some of their people in the front office and coaching staff have ties to Dave Gettleman? Do they wait until the fourth overall pick and share with the Browns? Do they stay put at 11 or 12 and hope Josh Rosen falls there? Do they move up to six with the Colts who want to move down, the 49ers at nine? So I think the Bills control a lot because they are willing to throw around a lot of draft pick assets to get a quarterback. So I think they the draft starts with them in a lot of ways too, but you know, the top 10 picks, the Broncos have shown interest in trading down. The Colts have potential in trading down. The 49ers at nine have interest in trading do you, down. So do you think, think the price are for are, trading
2: down might be a little lower than normal because of that with all the, teams?
1: No, no, I don't think it's, I mean, this draft class has two special non-quarterbacks and that's Bradley Chubb and, and Saquon Barkley. Um, and probably has about depending on who you ask between three and six special players. So, you know, it's really easy to say, just trade down, just trade down too. But, Let's say you're the Cleveland Browns at four and you can get Bradley Chubb or you can move down with the Bills and get 12 and 22 in a third-round pick. Well, there's a very, very good chance that the 12th overall pick, the 22nd overall pick, and the third-round pick aren't going to be that good and aren't be as valuable as Bradley Chubb is right now. So I think it's very easy to say trade down, get more picks, but when you're in the top seven or eight in what teams perceive as a four- or five-player draft-plus quarterback, it's really hard to move down in general.
2: Yeah, the reason why I asked that is because last year me and Andrew were high-fiving as the quarterbacks and all these sort of surprise, maybe wide receiver picks were going. We're high-fiving as, you know, the Saints need defense, and it's falling exactly right. So basically that's what I'm trying to figure out is how how sort of you think it will – do you think it will fall sort of in the Saints' advantage, where at 27 they'll be sitting maybe as pretty as they were – Last year, where maybe not that good, where Lattimore just fell to him. But how do you think it will fall to bear? Where it will be good for them or bad for them?
1: Yeah, I, I think for the Saints, if if they want Lamar Jackson, they want the quarterbacks to fall a little bit, right? They they want the Giants to not move out of the quarterbacks because the earlier quarterbacks go, the next team that feels in like a quarterback knows they have to move up, right? and I think that's we saw a year ago. The the Chiefs move up for Pat Mahomes. And the Texans said, "Hey, we're not waiting. We're going to move up to and get a quarterback." So I think that's kind of the feeling that if you're a Saints fan, you want Lamar Jackson, um, you want the quarterbacks to go as late as possible. Uh, that, that shows the teams aren't loving quarterbacks, and you know, the longer Josh Rosen flips, he's probably to go and Lamar Jackson. The better news for that. So I think for the Saints, it's letting the quarterbacks fall, and the more the, again, the Saints aren't going to get a top player in this draft class in terms of one of the top seven or eight talents. But you know, if they want to wait on a tight end, they're going to have their pick at twenty-seven. If they want to wait on the receiver, they'll have one of their best players there at 27 as well. So I think for the Saints, it's more about being patient, which they're very, very good at, but knowing that if they want Lamar Jackson, kind of reading the table a little bit and seeing where they have to go. And I think if they really want Lamar Jackson and they want to be safe, they probably have to get inside the top 14 picks to get them.
0: All right, Eric. Well, I'm going to. Okay. So first of all, I love your answer about the Bills, and I'm going to be watching them closely now. Now that we've had this conversation, <laughs> I can't wait to see what they do during the draft. But. I'm going to put you on the spot here. I don't know if you do the mocks at all, but uh, 27th overall, let's say the Saints stay put. Give me one name. Who do you think they're taking?
1: If it's not Lamar Jackson, I think it'll be Aiden Hurst, South Carolina tight end. All
0: right. I like that.
1: I like that too. You know,
2: Eric – People need to listen to your scan of the field pockets. It's amazing, and and I sort of Andrew will admit mean, I fluctuate on on Lamar Jackson. I liked him, I didn't like him. I watched the YouTube clips and then and then I get excited again. You were talking about him with Kamara and the read option, and I was just like, wow, that can be really fun. So I guess my fi- my final thought, because we we focused on him a lot, is what do you think is going to be his one thing that he's got to get better and if the saints take him, he's got to fix or he's not going to make it as a top NFL quarterback.
1: Yeah. I, I, I like that question a lot too. I think I, brought, I mentioned it. And I appreciate you on the podcast. I, I appreciate that. And the podcast ends up being when I have time to do it, my chance to just fill my guts on what I've heard and hopefully can listen to it and, and get some good Intel there. Cause it's generally just, that's the one area where I don't write stuff down. I just kind of hear, 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 say what I've heard, but I think for Lamar, for all quarterbacks, it's really important. I ask all of our area scouts to do this all the time, and they hate it. But, (laughs) hey, if they they like a guy, hey, tell me why he's going to fail in three years. What would have gone wrong as a player? And if they don't like a guy, why will he have succeeded, right? So our our West Coast scout, hey, why is Josh Allen going to be great in the NFL? I know you don't think he's going to be great, but why would it happen? So I think for Lamar, why it won't work is if, He continues, I think, to take the easy throws for granted. I That's one of the frustrating parts of Lamar Jackson, and you can watch the North Carolina game of this year and see every reason why he could be a special, special quarterback. But if you watch the NC State game, there's one game in particular, where when things get a little tough, he rushes short throws, he makes things harder than they have to be sometimes. And as an NFL quarterback, the easy throws are – averagely hard, right? They're they're kind of hard. And the hard throws are near impossible. And when you can't make the easy throws in college, when you rush your footwork, when you miss delayed drag routes, when you miss open reads on the interior to make plays harder, and there's Bradley Chubbs or Cantavius Streets coming off the edge every play, that's when you're gonna struggle. So I think if you watch the NC State game, you see kind of the path to him really struggling. There's always going to be great plays, just like there was for Vince Young early in his career, too. But if you keep missing the easy throws, that's where the concerns come from. So I think Lamar can get there. He's a very smart kid. Um, He's a guy who I think has adapted a lot his past season at Louisville. But the easy throws get harder in the NFL, and the harder throws get near impossible. And he can still make those impossible throws because he's that talented. But when the easy stuff is missed in college, that's always a worry.
2: Eric, thanks guy for joining us. People go to Optimum Scouting, he's got the draft book. He it's my it's my favorite and I can swear on that because we've had him twice we've had him back to back years. We've only had one guy in draft analyst on the podcast back to back years. It's Eric Galco. So Eric, I appreciate yeah. I appreciate you giving us think, the time tonight. I think,
0: I think you can buy his um his draft guide for fourteen ninety nine. Is that right, Eric?
1: That is correct at applemscouting.com. Yeah,
0: so I've done that a couple times, and I will tell you, last year he was high on, very high on Ramchick. He was very high on Lattimore. He was extremely high on Marcus Williams, um, and he and he mentioned Alvin Kamara was in his top 100. So. so uh, all those guys did pretty well for the Saints last year. and He was pretty spot on. So if you go read his stuff um, and you're a Saints fan, you'll, you'll get a good clue as to how good these guys are going to turn out who the Saints pick?
1: Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. And again, thank you. I'm, I'm glad the Saints had such a good draft a year ago, and hopefully you guys either get Lamar Jackson if that's what you want for draft Christmas or at least got a good draft like a year ago. But I really appreciate you guys having me on. All right. Thanks. thanks, Eric. Thank you.